Welcome to this month's episode of the Cordell and Cordell Men's Divorce Podcast, a combination of views, news, and tips relating to topics and situations relevant to guys going through divorce. Paternity is a major issue many unmarried and married fathers face in the family court system, as you must formally establish your position as a child's father before you can gain any sort of legal or physical custody, as well as cases involving paternity fraud. In this edition of the Men's Divorce Podcast, we'll be focusing on the problems that can arise for fathers, including the importance of formally establishing paternity, one man's struggle to stop his daughter's adoption, how paternity fraud has become a widespread issue across the country, and more. To start us off, Indiana family law attorney Kimberly McCabe explains why it is so important for unwed fathers to establish paternity of their children. Unmarried fathers are unfortunately given very few legal rights to their children, including visitation and legal decision-making power, until they formally establish paternity through the courts. If an unmarried couple breaks up, the father is not entitled to apply for custody or visitation until they have gone through the process of establishing paternity, which is why this is such a crucial step. In most states, the courts will require the parties to take additional action in order for a father to officially and legally establish his custodial rights over a party's child. Signing a paternity affidavit, believe it or not, does not in and of itself presumptively create your rights to your child. You will need to consult with an attorney or take additional actions and steps to make sure that a petition to establish paternity has been filed with the court in your jurisdiction. There are a few key reasons why it's extremely important to establish paternity. The first one is, is that you want to protect your future rights to parenting time, to participating in de- legal decisions about how your child is going to be raised, and also, of course, to make sure your child is being financially supported. Another key reason you would want to establish paternity is you would want to make sure that your child has the right to inherit from you. Without legally establishing paternity, if you wanted to bequest or leave something to your child, you might not be able to. So you will need to make sure you're taking steps to enforce, again, your rights to your child, affirming and establishing your biological relationship. While unwed fathers must establish paternity before they can apply for custody of their children, the methods of doing so will vary by state. Colorado family law attorney Marlana Caruso explains that there are more than one way to establish paternity, with the most common being a court-ordered DNA test. However, another method is available if you are trying to achieve parenting rights for a child that is not yours, and additional conditions may also be involved depending on the situation. It is important to speak with a local attorney about your options if unique circumstances apply. First of all, this is a pretty complicated issue in Colorado. There are two general ways that paternity can be established. The first, the most common that you're most likely thinking about when you're thinking about paternity is DNA testing. So if you are proven biologically to be the father of a child through a formalized DNA test, that is one way to establish that for the father. However, there is a more legalized way of establishing paternity and that is called basically a psychological parent in Colorado. So what that does is it ties you into legal responsibilities, both financially and for parental responsibilities to a child that you are not the biological father of. 
Now, you are assumed to be the father if the child is born of the marriage. So speak with your attorney if any individual circumstances apply to you that would complicate that or if, in fact, uh, you are trying to get parenting rights for a child that is not yours biologically. As if being required to formally establish your rights to your own children through the courts wasn't enough, unwed fathers also have to worry about losing their children altogether. DazDivorce.com editor Sean Garrison spoke with Christopher Emanuel, an unmarried father who nearly lost his daughter to adoption against his wishes. While he was fortunate to regain custody through the South Carolina Responsible Father Registry, many other fathers across the country are not so lucky. Now, Christopher, when you first found out that you were going to be a father, uh, you and your girlfriend had planned on staying together, and she repeatedly assured you that you were going to be involved in your daughter's life, no matter what happened. Uh, but eventually, you found out that her parents didn't want the two of you to stay together because of your race, and you gradually noticed her becoming more and more distant and uh, just kind of pushing you out of her life. Uh, can you describe the emotions you felt through that whole experience as you just started to notice that things were going wrong? Well, let me just give you a, a background of where I'm from so you can kind of understand how I, you know, was able to deal with the situation. Um, as we know, my name is Christopher Emanuel. I'm a 25-year-old African-American, single father man, single father from Aiken, South Carolina. And you know, I was raised with the village of family members where God and family is key. And the egg donor and I, we started out as friends and we became lovers. Um, there wasn't anything we didn't discuss, pros and cons. However, this was battle common. It was hard to accept at first, but through God, my family, my close friends, my pastor, um, my, my attorney, Jennifer Mook, I'll make a Nicholas Graham, King Skyler, I learned to deal with the situation. I accepted God's plan. Encountering, encountering racism is like somebody going behind you, pushing hand in the water. You know, I never encountered such racism, such evil. Um, but upon my mother and I leaving her parents' home, the egg donor reassured me we would continue to raise, you know, our, our child together. And I felt relief knowing my daughter wouldn't be raised in the environment to hate her complexion or others like her. But just, just that, that moment of just knowing everything was going to be all right was... Was, was all I needed. Love can be blinding, man. It really can. Oh, my goodness. All I could think about was her well-being and, and, them, and them being okay. And I found out on February the 22nd with that notice of adoption proceedings. And, you know, I didn't want to really believe it, you know. I couldn't focus. All I could think about was my daughter's well-being. Are they taking care of my child or are they loving my child? Like, what's going on? What does she look like? And, you know, immediately I asked the aid donor, you know, send me a picture. And you know what she did? She sent me a picture, multiple pictures, of her holding our daughter at that time. And, you know, I was like, you have to emotionally detach yourself I'm a child, to carry that child for nine months, to give your child to complete strangers that I have 
no idea about where they from, what they doing, their morality, how they were raised, nothing. So it was a complete moment of, it was more than shock. You know, all I could think about was my daughter, shock. Yeah, I can only imagine. And although your daughter, uh, she was ado actually adopted by a couple, you were eventually able to regain custody because you had registered with the state's responsible father registry. Uh, had you not done this, your girlfriend would have been able to give your daughter up for adoption without you being notified, and you would have had not a single option of recourse. Um, based on your experience, can you explain how these registries work, uh, how you learned about them, and why it was you decided to register? Um, let me just be clear. My daughter was never legally adopted. They stole my daughter. Okay. Now, the South Carolina Paternal Father Registry is an only 33 states. It gives an unmarried father the opportunity to assert their rights for any child they may have fathered. And you can go on um, sc.gov.dss father registry, and all you need is the partner's information, the conception date, rate of child, when the baby um, is supposed to be born, and the name of the child. This, in my case, my half-sister, Chelsea McNabb, and her best friend, Jill Thompson, told me about the registry. So that's how I found out about it. I was kind of skeptical at first. Like I said, I loved her. I loved her. And, you know, I didn't want to necessarily believe it. Something ain't right. And um, once I registered, I was able to assert my rights. But it didn't give me custody because now I have to prove fraternity. I have to prove my character. I have to prove that I am financially capable and able of taking care of my child. And also I had to have a home study to show that I have a safe and loving environment for my child. So despite father registry being in only 33 states, if a father registers um, with these predatory and unethical adoptions, they can still try to strip you of your rights. And if if mind blowing, that's human trafficking. You should have never, you should have never had my daughter. I registered on February the fourth. She was notified on the thirteenth. I got served the ninth day out of ten days with an improper notice. They changed the venue without even notifying me. They didn't notify my attorneys or or me. They didn't even add me to the case. You know, I'm grateful that they did take care of my child, but this could have been avoided. You just stole my child when you clearly knew I was capable and willing and more than interested of raising my daughter. There's no greater human right than that of a father's child. There isn't. Sure. Well, it certainly sounds like a situation that could have been avoided. Uh, but to elaborate on these registries, they're actually designed to secure a prompt and stable placement for adoptive children. Um, in your situation, they actually ended up working to protect your parental rights in a sort of roundabout way. Uh, but one of the big problems with these registries is that very few people even know that they exist. Um, and so there are a lot of unmarried fathers who might want to stay involved in their children's lives, just as you did, uh, who don't even know that they're supposed to register. Um, in your opinion, do you think that these registries, uh, that the system is fair and efficient, or are there ways that this can be improved so that the rights of unmarried fathers like yourself are better protected 
um, while, while also looking out for the best interests of adoptive families? Um, I firmly believe that adoption is for children without families, not children with a willing and capable family. As I was saying, if a father asserts his rights, he can still be stripped of those unethical and predatory um, adoptions. And this doesn't just affect fathers, but, you know, mothers as well. You know, couples pay a lot of money for these adoptions. And if you have to pay for a child, you are contributing to a form of human trafficking. You cannot put a price on life. Why are there laws in place to prohibit a capable, able, and willing parent of raising their child? We live on offspring. It's all about the kids. You know, I understand certain situations, but there should definitely be a national registry and need DNA testing. And for any couple that's looking to adopt a child without a family, still take that initiative to make sure that there isn't an interested father or mother, whatever the case may be, because they're deadbeat moms too. You know, I'm not trying to be biased, but in my case, yes, it did work out for me, and I'm grateful but they don't advertise this. They don't. So it's up to, this is just the beginning, it's up to us to continue to educate fathers, especially if they're interested in showing that initiative to assert their rights, but it doesn't give them custody, so they have to, you know, stay, they have to stay on it, despite whether the mother wants to talk to them or not. They have to be aggressive. Not only are fathers at risk of losing their right to be a part of the lives of their own children, there is another problem on the other end of the spectrum in the form of paternity fraud. DadsDivorce.com editor Sean Garrison spoke with filmmaker Al Grease about his recent documentary, Frustrated 2, Mama's Baby, Daddy's Maybe, which explores the prevalence of paternity fraud in the United States, where it is estimated that more than 1.6 million men are paying child support for a child they are not the biological father of. While researching for the film, Greasy said that harrowing personal accounts weren't difficult to find. You can turn on any local uh, news station and hear a story about somebody being uh, arrested for not for not paying, failing to pay child support, uh, someone being falsely accused of paternity suit. So the big case in Detroit where the uh, individual was forced to pay, uh, I believe, fifty thousand dollars for a child that wasn't his, and his girlfriend admitted it wasn't his kid. Greasy was especially taken aback by the lack of rights that unmarried fathers have in relation to custody and child support issues. He discovered that approximately 1.6 million men are paying child support for children who they are not the biological fathers of. Greasy said the issue comes down to dollars and cents. One of my main concerns about the system is the money. Uh, under the Title IV-D program, states receive matching funds from the federal government for the amount of money they collect in child support. So it's kind of like going after the cigarette companies. The money in the system is huge. It funds uh, judges, uh, lawyers, and all these different programs. So that's the, one of the biggest challenges, trying to how we get the money out of the system. To watch Frustrated 2, check out the film's website at frustrated2.com. That's frustrated, the number two, dot com. Or check out Greasy's website at greasyfilms.com. 
That's G-R-E-E-Z-E-Films.com. Since paternity fraud is just beginning to be recognized as a widespread and extremely detrimental problem in the U.S., it is finally gaining some traction when it comes to public awareness. DazDivorce.com editor Sean Garrison spoke with Women Against Paternity Fraud President Diana Thompson about how prevalent this issue has become, as well as some potential reforms that could help address the problem. Diana Thompson, who helped found WAPF, says it's long past time for the government to address this issue. In the past, injustices could occur because we were simply unable to be sure about the identity of the child's father. Today, there's DNA at the testing, and that excuse no longer exists. We are living in a time where there is no excuse for a continued injustice. While it's difficult to estimate the number of victims of paternity fraud in the U.S., Thompson says it's very clear that the number is significant. Well, the only significant insight into the number of paternity fraud victims comes from the American Association of Blood Banks, which year after year reports that approximately 28% of all paternity tests exclude the targeted man. But regardless of whether the number is 1 million or 100,000 or 10,000, a significant number of paternity fraud victims obviously exist. Uh, suffering from the burdens imposed on them by false paternity establishment. The root of the issue is that in order to maximize child support enforcement, the federal government requires states to have paternity establishment procedures and provides incentives and punishments based on their performance regarding paternity establishment. With enormous sums of federal money on the line, there is little incentive for states to ensure that paternity establishment is actually accurate. Currently, federal policies create unintended and perverse incentives that foster paternity fraud to the great injury of children and men, as well as great cost and compliance efforts and the loss of public respect for a system that is seen as unjust by paternity fraud victims and others who believe that truth should be the basis of any laws and policies. If DNA is used to free death row inmates, we should accept it in paternity cases. Anyone interested in learning more about paternity fraud or getting involved with the WAPF should visit the Women Against Paternity Fraud website at womenagainstpaternityfraud.org. That's all we have time for in this month's Cordell and Cordell Men's Divorce Podcast. Hopefully this helps bring to light many of the problems fathers face when it comes to paternity laws and family courts. Since this is such an important issue, whether you are fighting for your parental rights or trying to avoid being financially obligated to pay for a child that isn't yours, it is crucial that you speak with an experienced family law attorney to increase your chances of success in a system that is notoriously biased against men. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast for interviews, news, tips, and more covering a range of topics facing men during divorce. You can also find a number of resources on our website at cordellcordell.com, as well as our informational sites, mensdivorce.com and dadsdivorce.com.